welcome everyone to the Depression Prevention Podcast. I'm here with Professor Simon Gilbody from the University of York. Um, Simon, what is this global consortium of depression prevention? It sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. It also sounds a little bit sinister, but um, we're really excited about this. The Global Consortium for Depression Prevention is something that's been in existence for about 10 years now, and it um, was all born out of a shared interest in not just using strategies to try and ensure the best treatments are available for depression, but to think much more upstream, to think about how we might think conceptually and might use the best research evidence to not just treat, but to prevent depression. So um, it's looking down the telescope um, uh, the opposite way. We've turned the telescope around. We're thinking about how to prevent depression rather than treat depression. And this 10 years ago was pretty much a fringe interest. No one thought you could ever even think about preventing depression. But two really brilliant people who founded this global consortium, Professor Charles Chip Reynolds from the United States and Professor Pim Kuypers, who many people will be aware of through his work, um, decided to get together and thought in order to really give some momentum to the notion of prevention in depression, to bring this policy perspective, to think about public mental health, to think about prevention, um, then it'd be great to get all the like-minded people together once every couple of years. So um, uh, very slowly, um, this global movement to try and prevent depression has grown and it tends to uh, coalesce around these meetings which happen every two years and tend to alternate between the United States and Europe. Um, so this is the seventh time the Global Consortium has met and this is the first time it's met in the United Kingdom. So we are beyond excited and beyond honoured to be able to host this really brilliant group of around 50 people, experts um, who've generated research evidence, but also um, people who are perhaps more at the beginning of their research careers who are beginning to think about building a programme of research around prevention. So we've got people from all around the globe who've um, found their way here to the beautiful city of York and um, uh, our group and the University of York just delighted to be able to host this event today so we're here at the beginning of the first day we've got a great program of speakers um, excepting myself so people are going to have to put up with hearing me and my thoughts around um, prevention of depression later this afternoon and it's my job to try and um, keep nudging keeping up the momentum uh, of uh, um, some really um, interesting um, talks that we've got in this area. Uh, quite a few people have flown in and um, are suffering advanced jet lag, so to try and keep some momentum and some energy in the room. So we're delighted to be able to present today's event, but also to have Beyond the Room helping us um, get it outside of this room. So, um, so we're very excited about this. Lots of people had early nights last night, I noticed. So there's clearly people coming in from different time zones. Time zones. Um, lots of senior researchers here, like really impressive lineup of people. Um, and as you say, people from across Europe and North America and Australia. What are you really hoping to achieve with the meeting today? What would you like to kind of come away from it with? So we seek to um, talk about really good examples of research in this area. So we've got um, um, some good trials that have been delivered to try and think about preventing depression, but also some more conceptual thoughts about um, how you might use um, uh, evidence to inform practice and policy and to think about what some of the important social, economic and environmental drivers might be of common mental health problems like depression. Uh, so we, we try to think right across the spectrum of types of research but the pinnacle will be hearing about some of the important trials that have demonstrated that we can move prevention out of the too difficult box so we've got some good examples of that that we'll hear about um, so we've got senior researchers presenting um, some pieces of research that have got some great findings but we've also got more 
junior people who are more at the beginning of their careers who might be we might seek to inspire them about this is a good place to go this is a good direction to take your ideas just at the moment so um, we've got a nice mix of different people with different experiences in research and um, um, those are the sorts of things that we hope to do so mix of mix of people mix of different types of methods mix of different presentational styles and um, and we start to think rather than just talking to each other we need to start talking a little bit more to the wider world because we think we've got to that level of maturity with the body of evidence that we've got in relation to depression prevention so this is a group that's in a, a state of evolution so it's a much more outward looking um, discussions that we seek to have today and we're really pleased that you're going to help us to do that so um, we'll probably meet again in two years time and it'll be very different again but um, but this feels very different from the last time we met which was um, another place in Europe where we, we, we just presented and spoke to each other and had some really interesting discussions but try to keep momentum beyond um, each of those meetings. We know that about 40% of people with depression don't get any help at all yep. and we know that the things that we do to help people who present with depression often don't help you know whether that's antidepressants or psychological treatments or other sorts of interventions so it makes kind of good sense to prevent illness from happening in the first place it certainly makes good economic sense but um it feels like that's quite a kind of social movement rather than a kind of scientific movement to me you know preventing depression surely that's about preventing all the things that are happening in this country at the moment linked to austerity um how do you kind of frame your questions and your research in this area so that you can actually focus on specific issues so we think very much about the social and economic drivers of depression so we have to think at quite a political level about how we might manipulate and change the um, the environment within which people um, develop ill health so um, so thinking about the broader social determinants of, um, of depression really important for us um, but we also think that um, there are things that we can do to help mitigate the impacts of adversity and ways in which we can deliver interventions at scale at a population level so it's thinking not just about individuals but also thinking about populations so we've got some great examples of very scalable interventions so the notion that we can use very low intensity scalable interventions to make even modest differences at a population level that translates into massive improvements in um, health and um, um, if you can prevent just a small proportion of the people who go on to develop depression or anxiety then taking that population that public health perspective um, it is said that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure so that is um, one of the things that guides us in our um, uh, in in our research and in the ideas that we formulate around this so we're adopting that public health perspective which has um, very very infrequently been brought to bear in mental health it's beginning to happen just now but um, the ideas that we talk about in this room would be very common for um, um, other discussions that would happen in relation to non-communicable diseases so we're thinking about depression as a non-communicable disease which is really interesting you think about it in the same way as you might think about um, uh, heart disease or respiratory illness or um, um, obesity and um, so you know that's that public health that population perspective is, is quite refreshing and um, it's quite a conceptually um, difficult leap for lots of people to make so we don't pretend that um, um, there are no broader social and environmental drivers of, um, of mental ill health but um, this would be a common challenge for anyone who takes this public health perspective so um, it's a very enriching discussion that we have and the sorts of things that you talked about are exactly the discussions that we hope to generate in the room today.
And you're talking about running large-scale pragmatic trials in this area. What are you going to say in that talk? So we think it's really important to generate evidence, and the evidence that um, changes policymakers' minds is the highest level of evidence, and that would be randomised controlled trials. So we're used to undertaking uh, what we think are rigorous randomised controlled trials in the treatment of disorders like depression and anxiety, um, but we also think that you have to bring to bear that same analytic method to demonstrate that it is possible to prevent depression. So we've got some experience of uh, running trials in this country. So we've had some trials that have been funded by the National Institute for Health Research where we've used one particular approach to preventing depression and that's taking groups of people who are at particularly high risk of depression and very using very uh, low intensity um, forms of psychological therapy in this case and in the trials that I've conducted. So behavioural activation is something that we can use and it seems to work quite well and we've got good trials based evidence to show that you can actually prevent the onset of depression for those people who are at the highest risk. So I'm going to take some uh, opportunity to reflect on um, the challenges of delivering trials in a preventive sense and just try to borrow that experience and the wealth of knowledge that we have from using um, the methods that we're more familiar with in treatment trials and how you might extrapolate those and think about how you might generate evidence to um, evaluate the effectiveness of preventive strategies because they're the same but they're also different and the other thing that underpins lots of things that we do is that all the research that we do exists on, an an, on a continuum between effectiveness and efficacy. So lots of the research evidence that we draw upon is very much about efficacy. Do things work in um, the, uh, under ideal conditions? But when you think about prevention and you think about scalable interventions, you have to think about effectiveness. So the way in which we think about effectiveness from the outset and how that informs the designs of trials is really important for us. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that this afternoon. So um, you're already making me think about the slides that I might sort of um, speak to so so that's good so I'm very much looking forward to reflecting on how we design trials to um, demonstrate the effectiveness of preventive strategies and when you're talking about scaling up something like that behavioral activation intervention are you talking about training the workforce or the wider workforce in those sorts of approaches or are you talking about digitizing that so it's available more for people so all those things really so um, the moving away from the dominant paradigm of the delivery of brief psychological interventions where you've got 12 sessions where you meet face to face and you use the 50 minute hour that's not going to cut it if you think about depression so immediately if you're thinking about an intervention that you can deliver at scale and across populations you've got to think about increasing the spread and the reach of those interventions so pairing them back so that you can deliver them to lots of people training different parts of the workforce to deliver such interventions so moving away from very highly trained psychological therapists to people who can take the essence of um, psychological interventions and can undergo very brief periods of training to deliver um, a good enough form of treatment such that it does prevent the onset of disorders or delivering it through different mediums so um, the internet seems to have great favour just at the moment I've got some cautions and some um, concerns about that um, but delivering it over the telephone might be another way forward or using very brief written material so all of these are approaches to um, spreading the and increasing the reach of psychological interventions but also democratising the things that are currently not available to large swathes of the population so again moving away from individual to population strategies requires you to think outside the box about how you might um, change those interventions so that they are scalable but how they might still retain some elements of effectiveness. Mm. So the hashtag today is depression prevention 
Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm live tweeting with my colleague Vanessa Garrity, who I can see has just walked into the room. So, yeah, let's get on with it. Excellent. Nice to see you today. Andre, bye-bye.